following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. Who here, I have to ask, who here loves prequels? Right? I told you last week I'm into prequels. Now, it's not very, like, it's stylish right now. It's not popular to be a, pre- a fan of prequels. And somebody's like, what's a prequel? Well, you know how you have these movies, and they make a movie, and then the movie does really well, and they want to make more money. So what they'll do is they're like, we need to do more movies about this movie. And so we'll go back, and we'll do a, we'll do a prequel, which sort of sets the stage for what you loved so much, and hoping you will come back and watch it four or five more hundred times. And so that, that's what we're doing. And so the most famous prequel that ever came out were the Star Wars prequels because you had these Star Wars movies and they were out and they left them alone for like 30 years and then they came back and made new movies and they were very controversial and no one apparently liked them. And I was one of those like three or four people that did, right? And so it's because I'm a prequel guy. And the reason I love prequels is because, you know, we're reading John chapter 1, we're reading Genesis chapter 1, we're doing page 1. We're studying page 1. But the only way we can understand page 1 is to start with not a page, not a particular point in the story, but to start with a real living person, Jesus himself. And guys, I know it sounds a little strange, and I'm going to seek to make the case here today that he is right here in this room with us, and he is guiding us and directing us, and he's with you everywhere you go, and he guides you and directs you. And all of this, it's because of him that we go back to page one. So, so, so yes, there will be those of you who would say, Mark, Genesis is not a prequel. That's actually where this, that came out before John. I know it did. I know it did. But if it wasn't for Jesus, you and I would have never read Genesis. We would have never known Genesis was out there. So in some ways, for you and for me, Genesis is a prequel. And so everybody's like, you know, you're taking this prequel thing way too far. No, I'm not. Trust me. Here, we're going to go. Um, why, why the big deal? Why the big deal about this? Because on page one of the Bible, we get this idea that God created. God created. And let's take a look at verses 1. At verse 1, I should say. In the beginning, there it is, God created the heavens and the earth. But see, right there, who is God? I mean, is this, is this, I mean, which God? You know, he, she, what, it. I mean, what, it, and, and I mean, this is in, in our world, if you go out of these walls and you're hanging out with people all around, you may get a lot of different answers to this question. And when we are on page one, have you ever noticed that, like, you can hang out with people that don't have any, like, dog in the fight on any controversy, but you start talking about, did God create the world in seven days, actually six, and rested on the seventh? I mean, you're, people are ready to fight. They got their dukes up and they're going, right? And, and so, so this is why. This is why we need to see that this is, this is a prequel in the sense that only through Jesus can we see the answers to these questions. Because if we're focused on, well, how did God create the heavens and the earth? How long did it take? Did it take billions of years, millions of years, thousands of years, six days? And then we get all on focused on those things, which I'm not saying they're unimportant, and I'm not saying they're without a good conversation. But when we start on page one, I want you to start. I'm inviting you to start with Jesus, because he was there. And all things were created through him. All things that have been made was created through him. There is nothing that has been made that was not created through him. When we say that God created, we're actually defining the word God. 
When we say God created, did you know that from the Bible's point of view, how, how, does, how do you know what a God is? What is a God? What is the difference between God and not God? Right? What are, there's two categories in the Bible. There's only two. There is creator and creation. That's it. And the creator is God and the creation is not. And that's it. You know, it's like when, we, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Marvel movies, and there's another prequel coming out here in just a couple months in March, Captain Marvel, right? It takes place in the 1990s, and if you love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everybody's like, oh my gosh, we'll make him stop. But if you do, then that's going to be a great prequel. It's going to give us some cool storylines that will help understand what's coming next. The reason it's so important to go back and to look at what, where all of these things came from and to understand all of this is that we understand that God is a particular category and he's not like Thor or you know, Captain America or any of those other heroes that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or if you like DC, I mean, it's God, God loves you still. And so, and so you know, that's how this works, right? And so, and so all of these things come to play in, this, in the beginning God created. There's two categories. There's creator and there's creation. That's the story of Jesus. And he, the reason we call him God, is because he is creator. And so that you're like, how, did, how does Jesus appear on page 1? Because of John 1. Because of Colossians 1. Because of Philippians 2. And because of all these other places where the apostles, by the power of the Holy Spirit, said, yeah, Jesus is God and he was the creator. And so when we say God created, who, who is this God that created? His name is Jesus. Now he certainly... Is a, he's not like a God that we would invent because we would never invent that, a God that's hard to understand. And we're going to see that this God is unbelievably vast in, its, in His complexity and His depth and His ability to understand. We don't have a chance of understanding. We cannot comprehend, but we can apprehend. We can grab a hold of this story. Now look at what He created. Because this is language that, that is also very interesting. He created the heavens and the earth. Now, we could get into some word studies and we could talk about how the heavens is the Hebrew word shemayim. And that is, you know, it's this word that also means sky and it also means kind of what's up there and it means the, the celestial, you know, the galaxies, the God of wonders as we sang about. You know, it means all of those things. Um, and the earth is the Hebrew word eretz and it means, well, land. Not just earth, not like just like the, the sphere that we live on, but like where we're standing, where we're sitting, where we're living, where we're doing our stuff, our daily stuff. And, and it's, it's this, and it, mean, it, also, it also means, you know, it means the dirt from which we were made, which we'll learn about in future weeks. So you have, in the beginning, God created, see, the, if we were translating, like if, the, if this was a prequel, let's put Genesis 1-1 back up. If we were in the prequel time, you know, we wouldn't, if, if we were there, then we wouldn't have probably said the heavens of the earth, because that's partially because I mess everything up, but we would just say the universe. God created everything that exists. There's nothing that exists that he did not create. And in the creed, which we'll be sharing uh, throughout this month of, of, of January, we'll be talking about how he made things visible and invisible. Right? It's kind of an interesting, interesting idea, this idea that he made everything. That there are things that God has made that we don't even know exist yet. You know, one of the things that's really interesting is a lot of people will start They'll start this discussion on verse 1 and they'll start immediately dividing up into faith versus science. This is what we do in our culture. And we start dividing up faith versus science and this is just so sad. Because first of all, I, 
I, I, mean, I, I mean, I've already demonstrated my geekness quite clearly in, in talking about all my favorite movies, but, but I was always a science geek growing up, and I love science, and science is one of the coolest things, and you want to, like, do a science fair? I will show up. I'll be there, right? And, 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 it's, and, and one of the very false things that happens in our culture is that faith and science get divided, right? And what's ironic is that there, there, are, there, is, there is this movement within science that I would use the term, and others have used the term, scientism, which is this idea that actually you turn science into a faith. And, and I don't know if you've ever encountered that, but it's out there. And no, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. I don't want to, if you're sitting there going, Mark, I don't believe in the creation story. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about today. I don't believe any of that. Um, I would just invite you to just to sit tight. I'm not trying to convince you of anything about how many days or any of those things. What I want you to see is that God made the universe because that has impact for your daily life. And if you will allow for that to be true, we'll talk about the how and the what in a little bit. But here's the thing. Do not hear me say, oh, faith is good and science is bad. That's called fundamentalism, and that's not part of the story of Jesus either. Take a look at this chart. That was, we, we're going to put this back up here because, you know, as a geek guy, I love charts. And so this story about God created, it does, it does highlight some things which have nothing to do with science, that have very much to do with a lot of other things, but that our, that our culture does teach. And you'll see that in our culture, one of the things that's just commonly understood in our world today is that nothing produced everything. Nothing produced everything. So, because one of the issues is if you say, I don't believe in the creation story, then I'm like, well, what do you believe in? Where, where did it all come from? And invariably, it will go back to nothing. Or maybe there's a multiverse, and the multiverses, even though there's no scientific evidence for them, it's, it sounds better than in God. So we'll go with that. You see what I'm saying? Is, is nothing created everything. It's something of which we don't know anything about. And ironically, this, this verse 2 does say that the earth was formless and void. There was nothing there when God said, let there be. There was nothing there. But he is the one who produced everything. Someone produced everything. Now, the second thing that our culture teaches is that non-life produces life. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but... Like, now, again, don't make, make no mistake, I love NASA, and I, you know, if they were like a crowdfunded thing, I would be participating. Turns out they are crowdfunded through the United States taxpayers, but, um, but, but you know, so I am getting to contribute, so I, I'm not opposed to the thing, but one of the things they do is they'll send the probes and the, and the robots to Mars, and I'm one of the guys who watches the live feeds of those things. I think they're awesome, right? They're all, I mean, we live in a glorious time when you can watch the rover cruise around, across the surface of Mars. That's awesome. But one of the reasons that the rover is there is because if we could just find some water, then maybe we could find some life. Because we believe that if there's just some sort of magic recipe, which we don't know what it is yet, but if, we, if, it, if there was a magic recipe, maybe that we've, if we found some of the ingredients of the recipe, then life is there. And if life is there, well then, whoa, that starts be philosophical discussion and not a scientific one anymore and it gets very interesting and right here we are we just have been sort of taught that non-life produces life if you if you ask someone who doesn't believe that god created the universe you say well, how did the universe come about and then they'll give you some variation of a story which we could you know look them all up but one of the things that will invariably have to happen is that life just sort of happened it it, it just sort of like you know, there's some amino acids that bumped into some other amino acids and formed some protein chains, and the protein chains got zapped by lightning or something. We don't know, 
But eventually there was a single cell organism that had DNA and everything in it, and we just sort of think it happened. See, and I'm like, I understand, I really do, I understand people who say, Mark, we don't believe that God created everything. And I'm like, I get that. But what I'm trying to say is that you do believe something created something. And this is what we're talking about. The story of Jesus says that the living one produced life. The living one produced life. And he didn't just produce life in general. He produced your life in particular. And this is so important. Here's the third point that our world story loves to say, is that randomness produces order. You know, it's, a, it's the old adage that if you take and you blow up a typewriter and it'll come up with war and peace when it lands. You know, it's just like, you know, it, no, it doesn't, right? And we know that and it's silly. But we, the reason people will hold on to that is because if you start to deal with any other answer to what produces the design of the universe, then you're stuck with the designer, right? And then, you know, and then all the Richard Dawkins of the world get rolling, and they're just all fired up. And I get all that. But here's what I want you to see, is that the designer produced order, and not just in general, but in particular. The story of Jesus is so audacious as to say this. And I'm pulling this from Acts 17, verses 20 and following. The Lord God Almighty has arranged the universe for you. Now, wait a minute, Mark. I, was, I didn't care about all the science stuff or the faith stuff, but now you got me a little bit upset with that. What do you mean? You, you're telling me that God has arranged the universe, the whole universe for me? No, that's what the Scripture says in numerous places, but especially Paul was amongst a bunch of non-believing people, and he was trying to tell this story, and he said, actually, yeah. He has arranged the universe for you, and the reason why is he wants you to reach out for him though he is not far from any one of us. This is why it's so important that we know the prequel. We know page one. We need to know it from the perspective of Jesus, just the way Paul told him that day in the Areopagus in Athens. He was telling them this because he said, there's coming a day when that dude, the dude who made the universe by speaking, he's coming back again, and he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. Take a look at John chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. So there's a lot of things we could zoom in on here. I want you to hear me clearly that when you think about who you are, like if, you know, I was going around and say, who's Dennis? You know, who's Jeanette? You know, who's Mariah? And I was just to go through, who, who are you, right? I want you to see that you're on this page right here of Scripture. You're on page one, and then when we, when we see the full telling of the story, even fuller, we see the details in John 1. And that is, Jesus, you were made through Jesus. God made you by hand. In particular, in particular, you. You know, he tells Jeremiah this. He says, I, before, before, before you were in your mother's womb, where I formed you, I knew you. Which that's like, yeah, how's that work? Uh, we don't have any more information on that, so we'll have to just say when we get to see the Lord, we're like, how'd that work with Jeremiah? How's that work? Yeah, he'll tell us. But meanwhile, I want you to know that he made you. Take a look at this second chart, because it's kind of an interesting one, because the story continues. 
And this left-hand side, by the way, I'm taking this from Lee Strobel wrote an awesome book uh, about almost 20 years ago now, 15 years ago or so, called The Case for the Creator. Really fascinating book. If you want to, like I mentioned, some of you guys are the geek type like me and you want to like, study all the things that are about this. Uh, a great book, to, and we've got some others from Michael Behe I would encourage you to read as well. But one of the things that this, the world story does is, 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 is it says that chaos produces information. And this is kind of an interesting take. It's similar to randomness produces order, but see, it's very different because what happens is if you open up your body and you open up your cells and you open up your mitochondria and you open up what's inside of that, you're going to eventually land at this double helix cell, which is called DNA, right? And we all know what DNA is because of Jurassic Park. See, I was watching movies even about that didn't have prequels. Well, wait, maybe they did. And so the idea is, is that all of this discussion of DNA, we all have grown up with this idea of DNA because everybody's like, you know, maybe I'll check my DNA and find out if I'm 100, 1332nd, you know, whatever. And so you find out your history and your, and your ancestry and all these things. DNA is this, is this literal alphabet that is in your body, and it is, of, in the known universe, it is the most efficient data storage system that we've ever discovered. Do you know that in one cell of your body, you can store the equivalent of one million times that which is stored in the Library of Congress in terms of data? There's information in our bodies. See, and this, just, this creates a whole other debate in the story of origins, the story of where we all come from, because they're like, um, well, you know, again, chaos produces information. It's kind of like if we went out and wrote on the beach, right? You know, if I went out there and said, Mark was here, and he really liked Star Wars, you know, and then, and then people came along and they saw that, no one in the world would ever think, well, the, the tide just sort of arranged the sand to say that. No one would think that. It's silly. Why would we think that when it comes to page one? Why would we think that everything just sort of exploded and then it landed and it produced DNA? The Jesus story says the word that is, Jesus himself formed humanity as his children. We read about that in John 1. You are his children. This is who you are. You're not a random, evolved creature. You are his children. The second thing that they'll say in our, in our culture is that unconsciousness produces consciousness. And this is a really very important thing that's going on right now. Some of you guys have heard the phrase AI. It's being advertised a lot. You know, Microsoft and Apple and Google are all like, we've got the best AI, you know. And then you like, you say, hey, Siri, or okay, Google. And then, and then you ask them a question, and it's very clear that the I part has still got a lot of work to do. And it's, does it, that artificial intelligence is what we're talking about, and it's not very good. And, and so everybody's trying to leverage that and do this. But the belief in our culture is, and it happens in all the movies and all the stories, more prequels will tell you the story, and that is, is that eventually if you, get, if you just get a complex enough organism of some kind, it will just become aware. It will just have consciousness. It will just like, you know, and then shazam. You know, and like if, you know, some of you guys know Skynet did it. I don't remember what the exact date Skynet goes online, but we're coming up close to that, I think. And some of you guys know what that is, others don't. You know, when, you know, the Matrix, you know, whatever it is, at some point, the, the, the robots will take over the world. It's the robot overlords. They're coming. We, it's just part of our culture. Guys, let me just tell you, as a guy who worked 20 years in the IT world, computers are really dumb. I mean, they're just so, they don't have the ability to think. They only do what they're told, which is why there's always, they're always broken, right? Have you ever noticed that? Um, and, and it's like, I always used to joke because I grew up on the Windows side of the world and my Mac buddies were like, you should buy a Mac, they just work. And I'm like, if that's true, why does Apple have a tech support division? Anyway, so that's a whole se separate thing. Non-reason produces reason. 
Okay? And this is the other part of it is that we will, we will tend to believe that non-reason produces reason. But see, what it is is Jesus made humans in his image and he designed them to rule. Can you, do you ever think to yourself when you're looking at yourself and you're like, I don't know if this is like, I don't know if I, what I think about me. Can you imagine that you were actually made in the image of God? Can you imagine your neighbor is made in the image of God? That's a different kind of exercise. All right? But this is what we're called to believe in this story. This is what we're, it's what's being proclaimed to you and I right now. Is that he made us in his image and he designed us to rule. Now when we hear the word rule, we often think of things like swords and tanks and those kinds of things. But what I want you to think of when you think of rule in God's story, as we will be reading over the next few weeks, is gardening equipment. Yeah. That's God's plan. It's like I had this idea where we'd have this garden and you guys would work the garden and I would live with you and we would make families and there'd be lots of laughter and green bean casserole. I mean, that was maybe not the green bean casserole, but everybody's like, man, if that's heaven, I don't want to go, right? Some people are like, I want to go right now. But it, you see what we're doing here. The vision is a humanity of every color, of every language, of every tongue, that is united together with God. Where love is always unconditional and no one even knows what conditional love is because it doesn't exist. This is God's plan. This is His design. Take a look at verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was, the, was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is really interesting. First of all, those two words, um, oh, they're, I, I had them memorized. They're Hebrew. It's like, Tovu and Bovu or something like that. I can't remember. I'm not good at Hebrew, guys. You've got to forgive me. But formless and empty, it's this, it's the, the words rhyme with each other, and it just means there, ain't, there wasn't nothing there. It was empty. There was nothing. God created out of nothing. And again, the earth there is probably better translated land, but you know, it's the traditional translation. And so the land didn't exist. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, but you're like, but, but, so there was water there, and I'm like, well, you got to understand, if you and I were talking in language, that's why I call this a prequel, you know, we need to actually keep reading to understand what the f- surface of the deep is all about. We would need to get to like page 600 or so before we're really understanding this language on page one. The surface of the deep has a lot of baggage there. It's this dark, unknown place. And who was there? The Spirit of God. And He was hovering. And that word is like a picture word. It's like the, the, the image of a bird that's got her, her wings flapping and just hovering right over her chicks, taking care of them. In the old languages, they would call this brooding, but I, a lot of people don't know what brooding is. Sarah knows what brooding is. She teaches me. And so, and so you, you, just, you, learn, you learn what you know, is this, this a brooding. It's this, it's this bird taking care of her chicks. I mean, that's just what it is. And I want you to see God, not maybe, not maybe as a chicken, but maybe as a bird, maybe as this great, wonderful, beautiful God that loves you so very much and was so excited, probably singing, because there's a lot of singing that comes later in the story, probably singing, in fact, C.S. Lewis, when he does his depiction of Aslan creating the universe in the first of the Chronicles of Narnia, it's a song. And I believe, I'm just like, I think, I think old C.S. Lewis, you know, he was, he was, he, Jack was right about that one. And so, and so the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, just excited about what was going to happen. Take a look at our next chart. These three are, me, are coming from my, my background, and, and I want you to see how this works because the other thing that happens 
when you follow the story of our culture is it just says that purpose and meaning are illusory. They're illusions. They don't have any... Tr- There's what you make up. Karl Marx said it's the opiate of the people. Right? All these things. It's this, it's this... All of that is made up stuff just so you can make it through the day. Well, guys, if that's the case, then I'm out. Right? <laughs> like, I'm just going to go find a beach somewhere and call it good. Right? I mean... I, don't, I mean, it, this is nonsense. Because if there is no purpose and meaning, then how are we even having the discussion about it? This is silly. Instead, the Spirit who was hovering produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. None of which are religious words. None of them. They're things that we all are desiring and seeking in this world regardless of our faith background regardless of our traditions or anything, anywhere, regardless of our culture, regardless of our history. We need love and joy and peace and all the other six of those fruit of the Spirit. And we need them, and this is what he produces in us and through us. Now, the other thing, I don't know if you guys remember, Carl Sagan wrote a book called Earth is a Pale Blue Dot. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, you know, this was taken from after the Voyager spacecraft was leaving our solar system or getting to the edge of our solar system. You know, they, they, it took a picture of the Earth from, from, what was it, six billion kilometers away or something like that. And Earth was a little speck. And Carl probably had a lot of different agendas when he wrote his book, but one of the things that he was, ta- you know, because he wanted us to say, hey, this is all we got. We should take good care of it, right? And that was part of his, his agenda. So some of that was cool. But he also basically said, we're insignificant in the grand scheme of the universe. And I'm like, Carl, love you, dude. I just disagree. God made this place for you and for me. It is a carefully prepared garden. He did it because he loves you. He loves me. And the last thing that our culture says is that this you know, whatever this is, whatever this is, whatever, whatever you're looking at, it's all there is. It's just you and me, and hopefully we get 70 or 80 good years, and then that's it. And then we're worm food. No. When we talk about spiritual things, it's not just things that we don't see. It's the completion of the physical. When God makes the new heaven and the earth, it will be a physical place where the spirit is free and can be seen and know, we know what's going on with it. This is not all there is. Take a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit which lives in you. So we're, we're jumping ahead in the story, right? We're, we're going to one of the sequels rather than the prequels here, and we're telling the story of saying, because of Jesus, the Spirit is poured out on you, and that Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise you from the dead. We asked earlier, what would you think about if you looked at yourself and said, you know, who am I? My prayer is that you would see this as the answer. You are child of God, created by Him, given the gifts of the Spirit to live through Him so that you will live together with Him forever. Because one of the things we're going to see as this story unfolds is that, yeah, things went very wrong. But the plan all along was to save you and me through Jesus, give us the Spirit so that we could make it through this broken world and then be ready for the new world that will not have any more tears, no more crying, no more sickness, no more death. Please pray with me. 
Father, we thank You for this gift of Your Word, and we pray right now that You would indeed guide us and direct us to believe that You care about us in particular. That You made us individually in particular. That we would believe the audacious claim that You arranged the universe for us in particular. And I pray that You would help this story inform us over and against the story that says, nah, it's all illusion. None of it matters. None of it, none of it means anything. That we would not live in that story of despair and of death, but that we would instead live in the story of hope and of life. And we pray all of this because of Jesus, Your Son, our Lord, who died on the cross to give us new life as He rose from the dead. For He lives and reigns with You and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.